Well, welcome everybody. It is so good to be with you online today. Thank you to uh, Dan for doing announcements, Faith leading us in worship, and for Scott and Bev Pogue uh, doing the Advent reading for us. As you can tell, uh, we're um, recording from home, but you can also tell we have a new background uh, with Christmas season here, with being in Advent. We wanted to kind of have some of our Christmas decorations around here. And so, um, so thankful for all of you who are joining us today, whether this is your very first time or whether you've been uh, part of our church for years, please know that you are prayed for, cared for, and loved uh, even before you started watching this morning. And my hope and my prayer is that God has something uh, specific for each and every one of you who hears my voice today. So in order to prepare our hearts, uh, I'm going to ask that you would join us, join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us this morning during our Heaven on Earth series. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for each and every person who hears my voice today, Lord. Wherever they are, uh, God, I pray that you would meet them um, powerfully, clearly. Lord, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every person. Lord, may you be glorified as we dive into your word today. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. Last week, uh, Dan Lewis did a fantastic job kind of giving us a, like an overview, an introduction to our Heaven on Earth series in which he talked about everything from Genesis 1 uh, all the way through Genesis 3 and uh, 1 Kings and Judges, and, or 1 Samuel rather, and Judges, uh, but also going to John 1. And so we're going we're gonna, to, as he kind of outlaid the whole kind of story of fixing our eyes on God and the importance of setting our sights on him, uh, we're going to drill down a little bit into some of those passages a little bit uh, more deeply um, over the next few weeks. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1 once again. But as you're turning there, um, I want to start off with uh, recently, one of, a few nights ago was one of my favorite days of the year. And I don't know if you're like this. I know some people start Christmas, listen to Christmas music, uh, you know, and once Halloween's done, I know there's some of you that start Christmas music like in July, because I mean, why not, right? Um, but you know, we have this time where for me, it's once Thanksgiving's done, uh, we get to, I listen to Christmas music, and then we get to do one of my favorite activities of the year is when as a family, we get to decorate the Christmas tree and decorate our home for Christmas. And it brings up a lot of nostalgia for me. It brings up memories of decorating the Christmas tree with my family growing up. It reminds me of uh, having a cup of coffee, um, probably a little younger than I should have had coffee, but that's okay. Um, you could insert a short joke here. No, um, being able to uh, have those moments and, and memories of family. I remember uh, one year when I surprised my mom and I went and uh, got a Christmas tree, uh, purchased it, fit it in the back of my 1989 Honda Accord, uh, drove it home, decorated it all uh, so that I could see uh, the look on her face when she came home from work and it was all decorated. I mean, it was just, it's, I have some great memories. And so we are building some of those great memories uh, for our kids today or still these days. But you know, the season when we have tradition, so now our tradition looks like uh, we decorate for Christmas. We usually have uh, like a warm drink. So in the past, it might be hot chocolate. This year, we got uh, warm vanillas from Starbucks for the girls. Um, and then it's also listening to Christmas music. Usually for us, at least at the very beginning of Christmas, it's Pentatonix, uh, one of their 97 Christmas albums that we love them. Um, but you know, it's just that idea of being able to, to kind of have that nostalgia, to have that those memories and those traditions and those things in Christmas that you know we often look back upon and Christmas 
is a season with nostalgia where we look back and, and we look at the past and we long for many things. And that word nostalgia is a word we're going to unpack a little bit today because it comes from the Greek and it's two words combined. It's the word nostos, which uh, means home, and then the word algos, which means pain. So when we use the word nostalgia, what, what we're kind of combining is this idea of this home pain, this pain of missing home, this pain or this home sickness, if you will. And it's important for us to acknowledge that this year because Turning on Christmas music for me this year is a little different. You know, the, the world has just been so different this year and the earth has just been ravaged by, um, you know, pandemic and our country with division and voting and uh, racial tensions and um, just, again, just division all across the board. And we want to, we long for how things once were. We long for what it was like pre-pandemic when we could uh, see one another in person more frequently, when we could see each other with unveiled faces or with unmasked faces, when we could just be in a room together and um, you know, be able to celebrate. And, and so we look at Christmas Eve service when we have our candlelight, um, our candlelight service with singing Silent Night and we have nostalgia when we look back on those things because it's this idea of looking back and longing for something because there's a home, there's, a, there's this feeling of home that we often have maybe a pain with because it's not that way anymore. For some of us this year, nostalgia or, or Christmas is different because we've lost loved ones. For some of us, relationships um, have been changed, uh, not necessarily for the better. For some of us, it's friendships that have been broken. Some of us, it's jobs that have been lost. For some of us, it's questions to God that are left unanswered. And we're longing for this nostalgia, this place where we want to look back at how things were, our home of how things were when we felt safe and secure and loved and home. But there's pain now because there's a difference between how things were and how things are today. And so what I want to do is I want to put forth this idea that there's probably only one time throughout all of history in which nostalgia wasn't a problem. And we look back at things, nostalgia doesn't have to be a negative thing, but if you combine the words home and pain, there's probably only one time in history in which there was no nostalgia. And if you're in Genesis chapter 1, then you know that that was in the beginning. And the reason there's no nostalgia in the beginning is that Adam and Eve were created by God to experience paradise with him. And so let's start here as we, as we open up God's word at Genesis chapter 1. And I know Dan read out of this last week, uh, but we're going to read it again and unpack a little bit more. So verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths and the spirit of God was ho hovering, excuse me, over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Evening came, and then morning, the first day. And we stop there because in the very beginning, God created this world, and he said it was good. He talked about how it was good. The creation was good. At the end of the six days of creation and the formation of man, it was very good. And we long for this nostalgia because once we see, which we'll look at more next week, how Adam and Eve, with the fall of man and the breaking of that, 
that um, covenant with God and the separation from being disobedient and the separation that our sin causes us to be removed from the presence of God, that we, in the history of the world, we are longing to go back home. And home, not just meaning Eden, though, though you know, that, that's part of it, but home referring to the right relationship with God that you and I were created to have. In history, humanity is the story of people trying to find a healing for the pain of nostalgia because they want to, we need to get back home to a relationship with God the way that we were created to have. That as we're looking at the four aspects of God's story, it's creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and we're landing on creation because Jesus coming in Advent, as we celebrate the expectation of his return, of his coming, it reminds us that we're longing for home, that there's a nostalgia that is a pain, a home, and the pain that we are experiencing because we're not in the home we've created. We're not in the right relationship with Jesus, with God that we were created to have. And Jesus is the one who opens those doors. So I mentioned that that's probably the only time that nostalgia didn't exist because God created it. It was good. Adam and Eve, they experienced, they enjoyed it. And when the fall came, ever since then, we've been looking for home again. And we find it, or people have been trying throughout history to find it in different ways. Maybe people have tried to find it through power. People have tried to find it through wealth. People try to find it through popularity or, or status. People try to find it through relationships, romantic or otherwise, in order to try to find that fulfillment, that feeling of home that we are longing for because we've been missing the home of our relationship with God. And in fact, you know, we're going to take a moment now to actually jump over to John chapter 1 because we want to look at using the same verbiage, starting off with in the beginning that came from John, Genesis 1, excuse me, John chapter 1 gives us a picture of uh, what happened in the beginning as well. So we're also going to read the first five verses and it says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of man. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. See, that in the beginning, it's used in verse 1 and verse 2, the reminder that the word was God, was with God. He was with God in the beginning. And that verbiage takes us back to Genesis chapter 1 and unites those two themes of Genesis 1, John 1, that in the beginning, the word was God, was with God, and that nothing that has been created could exist throughout, um, except for God, except for through the word, excuse me. So with that being said, if you notice in your Bible, at least in my version, uh, the, the word word uh, is capitalized in John chapter 1. And so uh, there's, there's more to it. We want to pay attention to things like that as we read the scripture. When there's things that don't, uh, you know, that just stand out a little bit, we want to say, okay, what was that about? What, are, what might that be teaching us? And so what that word is in the Greek is the word logos. And the word logos is a word that um, is the word from which we get the idea of logic, um, the idea of rationale, of, of um, reason. And in the same way that some people might try to find um, home or security in uh, riches or wealth or uh, possessions or popularity or any of the things I listed earlier, the Greeks tried to find that 
within logic. They thought that it was the greatest or the highest level of achievement was to be able to um, be able to experience reason or to reach that level of attainment of understanding logos. And logos was more than just logic. It was more than just this simple idea of, of you know, reason makes sense or if A equals B then and B equals C then A equals C. That's kind of basic logic that Aristotle uh, showed us um, in Socrates and Plato back in the day. But this idea of logic being logos being that which was structured the formation of the world, that it had to be a world with a design, that even back then in the Greeks, they understood that this world had to be designed. And so this word logos is a word that John, the gospel writer, one of Jesus's very best friends, uses very intentionally in John chapter one, because he's building the argument, he's using verbiage that those in Greece would understand of saying, and those in the Roman times based on Greek thought would understand that the word logos was with God from the very beginning. Well, of course they would understand that because they recognize that there is a creation that had to be logically put together or rationally or with reason that there was a structure to creation. And so now he's saying, and the word logos was with God in the beginning. They'd be like, yep, absolutely. And then he says, and the word was God. Well, they might say, okay, great. You know, this is a polytheistic culture in Greece and so, and in Rome. And so they think, yeah, like, that makes sense that wisdom would be God, that there is goddess of wisdom and things like that. And so they're, they're kind of tracking along. And it's not until later that John shows them what the word really means, what the word, word, logos, really means. But in order to get there, I want to make another connection briefly between the light and the darkness that we saw in Genesis chapter 1 and then the light and the darkness that we see here in John chapter 1. That the other night I was uh, sitting at my, uh, on my couch, the girls were asleep, Steph was asleep, um, and I was, um, it was after a small group, uh, I had a Zoom small group online after uh, reading my Bible, and then all of a sudden I was just sitting on my couch and then all the power went out. Did you experience this this week? Some of you were like me where we had our power go out and all of a sudden it went from fully light to fully dark and quiet. And I, went upstairs to, to hear if the girls were okay. I looked out on the street, uh, saw that you know the whole area was turned off, um, all electricity was turned off. And it was this idea of instead of how G-O-D says, let there be light, it was S-D-G-N-E saying, let there be dark, right? It was just all of a sudden dark, all of a sudden quiet, all of a sudden things were drastically different. And when it comes to power, I didn't realize, maybe we don't realize how much we need something until it's gone. Because, you know, you can't, you know, when it comes to fridges or, um, you know, food that are perishables from just trying to charge electronics, being able to um, figure out how to just, I don't, just how to live when it's dark like that. And yet, that's just a picture of, you know, us being out of power for less than 24 hours is but a glimpse of what darkness really is like. And the idea that in the beginning it was formless and void, it was purely dark. There was nothing there. But God said, let there be light. And there was light. That logos, the word was with God in the beginning and that the darkness could not, that in the word was light and life and the darkness could not overcome it. And so they're building this case that 
John is saying, listen, this logos, yeah, you were right, logos means something, that there is an important lesson for the, for the Romans to understand based on Greek thought. And akin to that, in the same way that we, as they were trying to find purpose and find um, everything within logos, within reason, our culture has different ways that we try to find home, that there's a pain of how things used to be. We want them to be. We long for them to be because we're missing our home in a relationship with God. And we long to have that. We have this nostalgia that there's pain because we're not experiencing that um, as we once were created to with um, in Eden. And so I put on Facebook, talked about in our culture, what would it look like or what would be the ideal life would be someone who is what? And I got a ton of answers. It was really great to hear from many of you. Uh, a lot of them centered around um, the idea of uh, being wealthy or financially independent. Uh, some were successful. Someone who's truly happy would be, or someone who is successful. Some of them were people who were admired or loved. Some people said that they wanted to, um, or, or that the world would say, you know, living their own truth. So again, this is the culture's perspective, not our godly perspective. So living your own truth, being rich, famous, all those different things. And one person even talked about how, uh, you know, he's saying, you know, I, I'd probably say that in, in our culture, we probably try to find um, the ideal life would be one in which we pursue the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that answer stuck out with me because this word happiness, if we were to say, why do people want to have riches? Why do people want to be successful? Why do people want to have more stuff? Why do people want to be admired or loved? Why do people seek after living their own truth? It's because we've bought into this idea that riches and possessions and all those things will ultimately make us happy. That in America, we want to be safe, secure. We want to be happy. It's ingrained in our founding father's verbiage of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But our culture has also got this twisted in the many generations, a couple hundred years since the founding fathers, because the founding fathers thought of happiness in the same way that Aristotle, again, going back to Greek thought, thought of happiness. That For Aristotle in Greek thought, happiness isn't a momentary uh, you know, pleasurable sensation. It's not a, oh, I'm feeling good today, so I'm happy. I had a bad day. I'm sad. Happiness, a life of happiness was a life lived of virtue not momentary satisfaction, but virtuous satisfaction, living a life that is virtuous and serving others. So we've made it so that we want to pursue happiness. We want to pursue um, things that make us feel good. But as long as you and I are trying to find home in things that cannot satisfy, we will always feel pain. We will always experience that nostalgia of homesickness, home pain, because home is not found in riches, in status, in fame. Home is not found in how well we do in school, how well we do at work, how great our career is, how much we've walked up that corporate ladder. Home isn't, or home isn't found simply in what we can achieve, what we can do. That's a big part of us in America. We want to do things, right? Our true home is not found in what we do. Our true home is found in what Jesus has done for us. That John 1.14 talks about how when John is building this argument that 
the word was God, the word was with God from the very beginning. And he builds the argument. Then in verse 14, he shows what the word logos, the word word, really stands for, rather who. Because he says the word became flesh. That right there would have been altering for the Greeks. Like, what do you mean it became flesh? The word is logic, it's scheme, it's logos. How could that become flesh? And then he says, and it took up residence among us. As Dan mentioned last week, took up residence is the idea of he tabernacled or he built a dwelling place among us. And so, and then he said, we observed his glory, the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. That John is using the verbiage of Logos to show the Greeks and the Romans rather through Greek thought that that which you are worshiping, that which you are pursuing, that which you are using to try to find home and security, that Logos is not uh, an impersonal thing. It's a person in Jesus Christ. That Jesus, he left his home in heaven with God the Father, that he Everything that was created was through him. So he was part of that Genesis 1 creation story that everything that was created was created through Jesus. We see that in Colossians 1, which we studied several months ago. All of that came through Jesus. And so he was with God in the beginning, and yet he left his home to come to our home. He left his home to experience pain so that we could experience glory with him in heaven in eternity. He came so that we would be able to be invited back home and welcomed back home so that our nostalgia, that home pain, he took the pain away or he took all the pain upon himself of the weight of sin so that we could experience home with the God the Father for eternity. That's what we are celebrating. That's what we are looking forward to in this Advent series, from this Advent season, is the reminder that we're longing for how things were created and originally because throughout history, we as people are trying to find that home that can only be found through a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so we want to close with this idea that why does this matter, right? Like, why are we talking about nostalgia? I thought we were talking about Christmas trees and Christmas lights, and I thought we were just going to, you know, talk about all these things. The reason why Christmas nostalgia is important, because there is no greater season for us to acknowledge and to remember that we can find our home with Jesus than him coming down and celebrating it during Christmas, during Advent, the looking forward to his arrival. That if you and I continue to look for home anywhere and everywhere else and anything or anyone else other than Jesus, other than the word who became flesh, then we're not going to experience home. We're going to experience the pain, the nostalgia, that pain that things aren't how they should be. But if, if we trust in Jesus, He leads us back to right relationship with God. He leads us back home with God. 
and the fulfillment of the relationship with God that we were all created and designed to have, that can only be brought to fruition when we acknowledge that Jesus came and he who knew no sin became sin. He came down to earth, lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and was raised to new life so that we may experience eternal life. That he brought heaven onto earth. That he left heaven to come to earth so that we could leave earth when we die and go to heaven. So this week, as you look around and as you what, what do we do with this? It's important for us to recognize, but what do we do? Well, I just want to encourage you that every time you look at a Christmas tree, remember that Jesus died on a tree for us and for our sins. Every time you listen to, to Christmas music and the Christmas songs, may you remember the songs the angels sang to announce his arrival in Luke 2. That every time you see Christmas lights as you're driving through the neighborhoods, may you be reminded that he is the light of the world. And as John 1 says, the darkness cannot overcome it. So as we look throughout our week and we see Christmas things, may we be reminded of why Jesus came. That Christmas nostalgia isn't just about the tree. It's about the fact that we were once at home with God that because of sin, we experience pain, but Jesus came to redeem us and ultimately to restore us to right relationship with God the Father. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross. But God, we thank you that at first, you, the creation, the world was good. And Lord, we are in a season not just this year, but in our in history, we are in people who are longing for that home, the way things were supposed to be good from the beginning, and how as people we fall short because of sin and our fleshly nature, because of brokenness and things that we do that we know we shouldn't, things that we don't do that we know that we should. And God, because of that separation, we need a Savior. Thanks be to God that you sent Jesus that he was the word that tabernacled, he became flesh, he dwelled among us, that he left heaven to make a home on earth so that when we leave earth, we can make our home in heaven and in right relationship with you, Father. So God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.